The scripture reading for today is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the 11, raised his voice and addressed them. Man of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Sometimes I think a sermon after someone has read scripture so beautifully is kind of a disservice, but I'll do my best anyway. Thank you, Adele. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us in the language of our hearts that we may hear your word with understanding and answer your call with confidence. Amen. Before we get into this, we do need like a little history lesson here. What is Pentecost? We might think of it as a Christian tradition, but it started out as a Jewish one. It is the celebration 50 days after Passover that marked the giving of the Torah the law of God revealed to Moses, specifically the Ten Commandments. It was also the time the Jewish people gathered and offered their first fruits at the temple. Ooh, exactly. (laughs) Today's reading in the book of Acts tells us that Pentecost had come and so they were all together in one place. What that means is these Jewish Jesus followers We're gathered together for this Jewish festival celebrating God's gifts to them. And surprise, God gave them a new gift. And like I demonstrated with the children earlier, suddenly and with great gusto, the Holy Spirit filled that place to the brim. And while this might seem like a separate celebration for us, it is the continuation of the Easter story. At Pentecost, the power of God made manifest at the resurrection and ascension of Christ is bestowed upon the people of God. Both the ascension of Christ and the descent of the Spirit are a continued witness to the breadth of the wonder of Easter. And for those of us who have hung around church for a little while, this wild and wonderful and weird story can get a bit routine. Yay, wear red, hang the banners, let the kids run around a little more than usual, sing the good songs. So maybe we can just pause for a moment to recall that we are listening to the account of something strange, beyond the bounds of imagination, miraculous, inscrutable, Let's jump into the text. Qu'est-ce que c'est d'exister dans un endroit où votre langue première n'est jamais parlée? Quelqu'un a-t-il déjà vécu dans un endroit où sa langue maternelle n'est jamais entendue? Avez-vous déjà visité un endroit où l'anglais n'est jamais utilisé? Ici, en Occident, nous sommes tellement habitués d'entendre d'anglais mais en voyageant à l'international, que la majorité d'entre nous n'a jamais vécu la malaise et l'incarfort d'être isolé auditivement. For those of you who don't speak French, what I said was, what does it mean to exist in a place where your first language is never spoken? Has anyone ever lived in a place where their native language is never heard? 
Have you ever visited a place where English is not spoken at all? We here in the West are so accustomed to hearing English even when we travel internationally. Most of us have never experienced the discomfort and disconnect of being orally isolated. Okay, now this question isn't rhetorical. I'm actually asking, has anyone ever experienced this? Okay, okay, I'm ready, I'm coming, I wanna know. Where have you been where you were in a place where English wasn't spoken? Spain. Spain, do you speak Spanish? Excellent. How weird was that? I, I relied on the person that I went with. <laughs> Somehow I could communicate with okay. children. Ah, he said he relied on the person he traveled with, but somehow he could communicate with children. Of course. Children. It always comes back to the children. Anyone else? Has anyone else? Yeah, of course, you've been somewhere else. Where have you been? Northern Baffin Island, no English. Did it, did it ever happen where someone spoke a word of English and you were like, what? You catch a word, right? Well, that's my person. Anyone else wanna share, yeah? Korea, excellent. A sea of another language. Did you have the experience of someone speaking English? Okay. It just popped up. You had a translator. Yes. Yes. I was six years old and moved to South Africa. English and Portuguese were your home languages. Okay. From English and Portuguese to Afrikaans, grade one. You do, right? Well, yes. And then we have our refugee family, now immigrant family, who are learning English uh, in remarkably quickly ways, right? Especially the children, as we heard. But how strange is it when we are always surrounded by English to plop down in the middle of a place where English isn't spoken at all. It's like standing in a sea of unfamiliarity. In between grade 11 and 12, I went to rural Quebec, <laughs> not speaking French like that. <laughs> but in that sea of unfamiliarity, that sound becomes like a homing beacon, right? We find ourselves sharpening our senses to its signal. It's like molecules in our body actually relax and Tune in like an old radio dial on that voice, a voice that speaks words that we can understand beyond here, right? When someone speaks our language, we understand it here. It's like a homecoming. And so we hear this Pentecost story and we might not quite grasp the visceral impact of hearing one's own language, living as a foreigner, an immigrant, a refugee in a strange land. These folks were in Jerusalem, but not from Jerusalem. And so maybe we haven't experienced this linguistically. Maybe we've never been language isolated, but I will warrant a guess that most of us have felt sequestered at some point. 
alone, remote even when we're surrounded by people, we have felt on the outside. And then something, something catches our ear, our eye, our attention, something that resonates in that deep place that draws us in and towards. These outsiders who maybe hadn't heard their mother tongue in years heard the beautiful and life-changing message of Jesus in their own language of comfort and care, not in the language of the empire under which they were living. The Holy Spirit poured out on the disciples in this way not for their own comfort, but for the resonance of the Jesus message for those who were on the margins nearby. It makes me think of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth where he freely shares of how the Holy Spirit gives him what he needs to connect with those who haven't received entry into the blessed community. Pentecost, this thing, is a miracle. A miracle of welcome, a miracle of hospitality beyond anything we could muster, a miracle to spark belonging. And I bet it was as surprising for the ones hearing their language as it was for those from whose lips those languages were emerging. God promises over and over in our, spirit, in our scriptural witness to give us words the right words, in the right time, for the right people, and the Holy Spirit delivers. I wonder. I wonder what the language of comfort is to those on the margins of our neighborhood. Now what happens next? Everyone drops to their knees in praise and reverence to God. No, of course not. Some folks nearby are like, what? And others are like, they are drunk. Which is basically everybody's response when God unexpectedly reveals God's self. We see a miracle, something incredible, something powerful, and we are either amazed and perplexed or we are sneering and dismissive. It happened in year 35, it happens in 2019, and it's okay. It's okay because miracles, big or small, throw us off. We don't get them. For some reason, we get mad at them. But the very next thing that happens is key. Peter is there to explain it. And I will guarantee that every time something happens, that is God which actually, by the way, is all the time. Every time God happens and we don't understand, someone who gets it is nearby. Remember, these are Jews living, Jews living in Jerusalem from all over, having this experience, right? Peter, a Jew, jumps up and links the story of Jesus with the scriptures of the Jewish people. His listeners would know what the prophet Joel said, which Peter recites 
right away. He says, hey, pay attention. Hey, everybody, remember Joel? Remember, Joel promised that God would pour out God's spirit on all people, that God's spirit would flow regardless of a person's gender or social status. Remember, Joel told us that we would all one day be filled with God's spirit and God would give us good things to do. Remember, Joel? It's happening right now. This Pentecost event doesn't work with all, without all these things at play. Rooted in tradition, the new Jesus followers are gathered in one place. The Holy Spirit floods into that place in surprising, astonishing, remarkable, overwhelming ways that include everyone inside and outside the community. Nobody knows how to handle it. And Peter jumps up, reminding, of their, reminding them of their scriptural witness and proclaiming boldly God's work in that moment and all of their transformation in it. The day of Pentecost occurred just seven weeks after those who were opposed to Jesus had ended his nonsense by crucifying him. But now, for some, their worst nightmare was coming true. This understanding of God's love was no longer contained to one man's message. They thought they had put out the light of the world in Jesus. Instead, the same spirit that enlivened Jesus exploded like fireworks in a hundred different directions. Because God didn't stop showing up in Jesus. God didn't raise Jesus from the grave, bring him home and stand back to see what would happen. No, the message of Pentecost is that God shows up. God shows up. God meets us where we are and uses tremendous, ridiculous, miraculous means to catch our attention and tell us of love, of grace, of mercy, of freedom, of salvation. And then in our doubts, our dismissals, our explanations, our excuses, God sends us prophets, preachers, teachers, dentists, contractors, children, baristas, accountants, neighbors, friends, enemies, to help us understand, to spell it out, to get it through our sometimes very thick skulls, that God is here, that God has given each one of us all genders, all ages, all races, all expressions of humanity, even me, even you. The gift of God's unending presence. God is here. God is here. God is here.
And you know what the very next thing they asked Peter? What do we do now? (laughs) And that is our question too, isn't it? What do we do now? We hear of God's love. We hear that God is with us and for us. Maybe we even feel that love, that grace, that hospitality in this place. What do we do now? Peter says, get baptized. Peter says, let the Holy Spirit all the way in. Be encouraged. And then, become an encourager. One who loves and gives and forgives in the same recklessly abandoning way that God does. So they did. They taught and they shared and they loved and they forgave. And they messed up and got back up, forgiven to try again. And miracles happened and happened and happened and happened. And this Jesus thing didn't go away. The Holy Spirit didn't fade. God went right on creating and showing up. And so here we are. What a legacy to inherit. What do we do now? We throw ourselves at God. We throw ourselves in God's service under the guidance of the Holy Spirit who is here. Who is here? Who is here? Can I get an amen? Amen.